Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the second day of January, 2023rd or 24th year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for this second January that you brought us to. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you open up our hearts to the study of the Word of God this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you guide the speaker in accuracy and those that are in hearing and discernment in souls. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And we are, good morning to you. We are in the, um, a little, little crooked there. I'll leave it as it is. Um, all kinds of dysfunctionalities this morning electronically as we, we begin this morning, but at the last minute things seem to come together with only a few glitches. So we'll, we'll kick on right where we left off yesterday. Um, trying to keep it into the time frame. Uh, my New Year's resolution is to try to keep things at about a 30 minute clip. Um, uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, spending a little bit extra time in the morning with the missus and, um, getting ready in the morning. But nonetheless, uh, let's, let's continue with the destruction of Temple in AD 70. Um, and the, the timing, and we're looking at timing in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Now, Becca and I was, were talking last night about the importance of the book of Daniel. And outside of Genesis is, to our thinking, probably one of the most important books in the Old Testament. Subject to change, that's, I'm, I'm always up to conjecture, but I would say if we are going to understand Bible prophecy, you've got to understand at least Daniel chapter 9. And uh, because it, it lays out the really the prophetical timeline in in only one verse let's go back let's go back and look at that passage here in Daniel chapter speaking of Daniel chapter 9 speaking of the 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 70 weeks and um remember that a week is a unit of 7 it can be 7 days but in this aspect and in this um understanding it is 7 years and 7 times 70 is 490. Keep that in mind. So we begin 70 weeks have been decreed. This is the angel speaking with Daniel. Um, for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of the prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Stop right there want you to recognize this, that the prophecy centers around, not the world, but the prophecy is centered around Israel, um, the prophetical Israel. So you are to know and to discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild the, the rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And this is the um, Cyrus and his his decree to rebuild the the uh, uh, the uh, Jerusalem. Okay, once again we're centered around prophecy 
concerning Israel. Um, until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in the times of distress. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off. He will be cast, cast out. He, um, this is a, a precursor, uh, this is a prophecy of the, the, uh, rejection and have nothing in the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with the flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. And then he will make a firm covenant with the many. Uh, be careful with the pronouns. Who are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, the Christ or the Antichrist? Because both of them are in view in here. For one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings, and on the wing of abominations will come one that will make desolate, even until the complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. And um, the prophecy is runs coterminous. The Old Testament prophets... And, and the prophecy here that was given to Daniel skips right over the mystery doctrine of the church age. Church is not even considered. It is as, it is as if there is no, as if there is no departure at a, the time, the, the timing cuts short, seven years short, and that seven years will be made up. But there's the insertion of a church age. Time and, and that prophetical view had stopped, came to came to a complete halt with the entrance of the church starting at the uh and and that began on the um the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And so um so when the clock stopped it left seven years left to be counted off and to complete Daniel's seventieth week as prophesied in this chapter nine. As Jesus is given these high priests, he's, he's speaking to the high priests here. He's given them the business. And it is in the perspective of, uh, of prophecy. And it's in, in, in one light, uh, with this prophecy of the, the feast, as well as the other two previous prophecies that he directed to the chief priest. It's almost funny, but it's not funny, but he's telling them, he's basically communicating to them, you're going to hell. And he's going, he's giving them parables that tells them because these chief priests think, as as all the religious leaders thought, hey, I'm okay with the Lord, okay? We've got an end to the kingdom. No, they don't. And this is what Jesus is communicating to them. Um, So the church age with the stop of the prophecy the church age, as Jesus talked about the king who sends out the um, the, the invite, the church age, the, the bride, we live in, a, in an age that's going to come to a completion with the rapture of the church. In this age, when, when the last believer is called, when the last believer is, when the last one receives Christ as Savior, when he's born again, with the completion of the church, a church will be taken up. That would be the completion of that body. And, it's, and Daniel's uh, at some point after that, 
Daniel's 70th week will continue that, that those last seven years. This is the age not of invitation. This is the age of the calling out of the bride. There is a difference there. The invitations going out to Gentile nations and those and and the tribulational period, there is going to be a great evangelism. It's also going to spur on great persecution because there's going to be as there is as there are those that are recalled to the ranks and those that are saved after the church age, they do not become Christians. They they receive the righteousness as any Old Testament uh, Testament believer received righteousness. So, come, come to the, at, at the millennium, joy to the world, the, the, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Matthew 22, 11. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. The clothing in the Bible speaks of the nakedness of man. So it doesn't speak of his outward nakedness. It speaks um, generally clothing and, and a man's nakedness had more to do with his spiritual position and place in the Lord than it does his bodily nakedness. His bodily nakedness is not only a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. Um, so clothing in the Bible speaks to the man's, the nakedness of man's soul before God. Man and angels are judged according to God's standard of righteousness. Alright? Revelation 3.18 I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Um, Revelation 16.15 Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. So in the beginning, when we went back and we talked about this prior to our getting sick, in the beginning, we saw, uh, we, we discussed the nakedness in the garden. All the way back to Genesis 2.25, that man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. Um, and why was that? Because it wasn't about their bodily nakedness. It was about their soul. They were, they were created good. And the God could look upon them and, and not, not have his divine, that's, that's my, that's mine, that's his divine gag reflexes to go off because he's looking at two sinners. But it was, their souls were laid open and they did, they did not need atonement. And then once they disobeyed God, then their nakedness became a problem. They saw that they were naked and they sewed big leaves um, together to make covering, for loin coverings. And you might say, oh, well, right there. It speaks of nakedness. It speaks of bodily nakedness. Of, of course it speaks of bodily nakedness. Uh-uh-uh, not necessarily. Because they misinterpreted 
the guilt and the shame within their own hearts. And they figured if they could just fix the outside, their outward appearance, then they would deal, really not deal with uh, with being right with God, but just being righteous on their own standards to to deal with this guilt, to deal with this shame. They were they were feeling things they never felt before, uh, and they needed they needed to fix that situation. So they they attempted to change their outward appearance to change their inward position. And this is the and in this very day, to this very day, this is what man tries to do through their activism, through their crusaderism, through their religion, through their um, through any number of things, both in and out of church, they seek a standard of their own righteousness called self righteousness. Remember what Isaiah says that all righteousnesses to God, all our righteousness are as filthy rags to God. Our best that does not meet the high standard of God. Um, God's righteousness is good and pure and right. And there's nothing that we can do to match God's righteousness. No matter how good we are. No matter how how much that we resolve not to sin. we Our righteousness does not meet God's standard. And... Um, I, I believe, and it, it grieves my heart to think that there are those that are are self-deceived. They believe that they are right with God. For whatever reason, for whatever standard that they're seeking and that they stand on, I'm right with God. I'm a good person. And they'll look at other people. Oh, that's a good person. Certainly he's got crowns in heaven. Certainly that woman. You know, really, as I study, you know, really my... um there's not a whole lot of people I'm sure of. I know of my salvation. I know of my wife's salvation. And those who I'm close to. But just because somebody is going around and they look prim, proper, and, and, and they're doing all kinds of good things and stuff, don't mean that they're right with God. There's more of a chance that you're, you're drunkard on the street. Or you're, you're a scoundrel is more safe than a, a person who thinks he is. But anyway, um, God doesn't look on the outward appearance, ladies and gentlemen. He looks on the inward appearance. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, um, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, Proverbs 17.3 The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. First Chronicles 28.9 As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts. And understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And let me just add to um, a note to that verse. There are many of us are seeking God in the wrong way. They're not seeking. Um, they're not seeking God with their hearts. 
they're seeking God with their do-goodism. Again, their crusaderisms, their, their, their religion. They're seeking God in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. They're sincere. They may be very much sincere. They may, may be very well have good intentions. But it's not about their act. It's about what do you do with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of these people don't even mention the name Jesus. They, they'll, they'll mention God, God, God all the day. This is what I'm doing for God. And, and, um, and sometimes you'll find people, you'll find those people out there that cannot even mention the name Jesus. So this is the basis of what the Lord preached on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7:22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I declared to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All right? And listen, and automatically we think lawlessness as um, evildoers. You know, you're going out, you know, lawlessness and, and breaking um, and and. Uh, Debauchery and drunkenness and homosexuality and we're, we're thinking all in that terms. Listen, lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Everything that does not meet God's righteous standard. So your do-gooders in your religion without Christ, and I'll say Christless religion, uh, a religion of do-goodism and, and, and self-righteousness is lawlessness. The scripture says that pas hadakia harmatia estin. All unrighteousness is sin. Everything that does not meet God's perfect standard of righteousness is sin, is lawlessness, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, you know, I I actually woke up this morning. Uh, I meant to, you know, or as I was doing this, I actually, it crossed my mind. Because here it is that these, we're going back to the wedding uh, feast. And that here is one individual, the king comes in, he sees this one, and he's not dressed in, in the right garments. He's not dressed in, in, in the garments. And remember that, what, it, what did it take for us to wear the right garments? A sacrifice. A live, a, a, a sacrifice. Our Lord Jesus Christ, um, substitutionary atonement, where the innocent had to die for the guilty. That, that, thread goes all the way through the testament, the innocent dying for the guilty. And in the, in the, after the flood, what did Noah do? Well, the couple of things. After the flood, after the building the altar, it was the Lord who changed the diet of man. He put meat on the diet. He says, now all these foods, all these critters are now going to be food for you. And even at the dinner table, it becomes a a object lesson that here it is that an animal had to die in order to provide me a sustenance. There are those, we've heard of veganism. We've heard of veganism. And hey, if people want to be vegetarians, great. I have nothing against them being vegetarians or wearing, but here is the mind of a vegan. A mind of vegan, and or let's just say the the um, standpoint 
And let me give you let me give you definition of veganism that I got offline. Veganism, a compassionate lifestyle. Veganism is a way of living that avoids animal exploitation and cruelty in food, clothing, and other products. Okay, the um, it is the it it it, and that's that's okay to what where how far it goes, but it's the mentality. It's the fact that um, dismiss any. And as Christians, we don't, we're, don't get me wrong that we're not, uh, advocating cruelty to animals. But don't pick up that as an argument. Because here's the thing. Now you may have, I'm not saying there isn't, but I have not met a vegan, a Christian vegan. Someone who advocates from, from all you know, from, you know, makeup, from, from, um, clothing, from, um, uh, eating meat. And once again, like I said, somebody may, it, it may be out of ignorance or it may be, maybe a Christian will do it out of ignorance. Maybe a Christian is well formed, but I do not meet many. And that's the same thing with naturalists. I don't meet too many. I don't know if I've ever met a, 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 a Christian naturalist. That means the one who goes out and he cares for the, loves the environment and, 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 and goes to extremes to make sure that our environment and, and their hearts and their souls like, um, a singer that we, um, that I still enjoy. The guy loved the mountains. He loved the fresh air and hey, we love those things. But yet, his mention of God, there was no mention of God. There was no mention of other, you know, of, of that. But anyway, um, so vegans strive to make things look like meat, such as veggie burgers. Can you believe it? They will seek to make synthetic clothing. And all this takes us back to the imagery of what's going on in the garden. That man and woman put on big leaves, things to look like clothing. Things that will cover their nakedness. But the Lord says, no. No, that's not going to do it. That it took a sacrifice. There was a sacrifice in the garden. The the Lord killed two animals to provide covering for both the man and woman. The fig leaves were not going to get it. And the fig leaves doesn't do it now. So, um so they are righteous according to their own standard. But the word of God by which we are to be judged says in 1 Timothy 4, 4. For everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. And what? Let, let's go back up just a little bit on that. Um, oh yeah, let's look at this. Verse 3. Men who forget... Might go to two. Oh, yeah, let's just go to one. But the spirit of uh, the spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of hypocrisy and lies, sear their consciences with, like a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage, an advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared, 
and uh, in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. And again, let me, let me not say that, uh, do not think that I'd say that all vegans, all vegetarians are unbelievers. But, um, many of them, um, hold their righteous, uh, hold uh, a part of their, their fig leaf wearing is holding up animal rights or what have you. Alright, so God does not judge according to one's, um, vegan standard. What one eats or wears or any other self-righteous lifestyle. He judges according to his own standard of righteousness. Matthew 22, 12. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. The, uh, let's, the, uh, and the man was speechless. Let's look at this word speechless. See if we can get it right here. There you go. And, um, fimumai, fimumai. Um, and it means to have nothing to say with implication of being prevented from speaking. Okay, so the man had nothing to say for it of this. The person was associated with these people. He looked like these people. He acted like these people. They he lived like these people. Um, the association was that this one grew up among the wheat. See, there's another doctrine of the wheat and tares. What's a tear? A tear is a, is a weed that grows up alongside the wheat. It looks like wheat, but it's not. It's a weed. It looks like, it acts like, it does like. And this, once again, I say there's a lot of religious people that's going to, that think that they are saved and they're going to wind up in hell. So, you can imagine it's such an ordeal that the whole reception, here's the whole reception. And remember, this is a parable. This is, Jesus is saying, this is like, this is a story that's set beside. This is not a actual situation or a prophetical event that's going to happen, but like it. Okay, there's lessons that we draw out of it. So, but put it into the, 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 um, your viewpoint. Here's the king walks in and the king says, what are you doing here? You're not wearing the right clothes. Everyone else, they didn't see this, they, they didn't see the unrighteousness of this man. Everything on the outside is good because they're all seeing the outward appearance. Of course this is a brother. He's prayed with us. He's worshiped with us. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's done good works with us. He's, he's been with us every step of the way. But I remember that the king is looking at the heart. He sees the man for who he truly is. Again, going back to Matthew 7, you know, uh, have we not prophesied in your name and healed and done all these wondrous things? And the Lord says, I never knew you. So you can imagine this reception. Everybody, everybody hushes up. The king asks him a question, what are you doing here? But he doesn't answer He's not permitted to answer because he has no defense. When that window of opportunity closes, 
That man has no opportunity to run out and get the right clothes at that point. It's over. He has no defense. And so, um, the man is speechless. And no, um, so he has no defense. The offer of salvation was heard previously, was rejected. God's righteousness, which is the only acceptable clothing, was substituted, was substituted by everything that meets, that does not meet God's righteous standard. Oh, God loves good works. But the works that this man did were dead works. Many, many of us are still to this day trying to hold up our, if you ask them, are you saved? Will you be going to heaven? Are you secure in your salvation? And they will tell you, I hope so. I try to live a good life. I do try to do what's, what's right. Folks, I have, like I said, I have more, I, I have more, um, um, confidence in a, the sinner who says, you know, I'm struggling with sin and, and, um, but, you know, I know that Christ died for me on the cross and I'm trying to work things out in my life and, you know, he, yeah, he's got some issues, but at least this guy knows where salvation comes from. Matthew 22:13. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but a few are chosen. And at, and at this point, what happens is that um, he's thrown out and he is cast out from among them. What he's wearing is not compatible with his environment. See, Adam and the woman was cast out of the garden, a perfect environment, because their, the, the condition of the soul was no longer compatible with their environment. And so when the kingdom is coming, with the, with the entrance into the kingdom, the, this man, all of his do-goodisms, all of his works, all of his religion, did not meet God's righteous standard. He was not compatible with, he was out of place. He was not, he was not permitted. He, he, he was a stranger or a alien within that committee. He, and so therefore it was God's discriminatory nature to separate the light from the darkness. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your word this morning. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that God the Holy Spirit will continue to teach us and, and, and make these truths real to our hearts. Pray, Heavenly Father, with anybody in the sound of my voice, if they are, if they are still trying to get over on their good works, they know that they are, they are lost, they are, know that they come short of God's righteousness. I pray, Heavenly Father, open up their hearts and their eyes and their ears of the heart to know that Jesus Christ did the work. And there's only one way to salvation, and that is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, calling upon the Son of God, the one who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father. And by believing and trusting in Him, we do have eternal life. It's not by our works, but it's by His works and what He has done on our behalf. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we have our Bible study tonight. If you want to be a part of that and you're out of the area.
Yeah, our prayer prayer night, as you were. We have our prayer night tonight. Thank you, Beck. Um, and that will start at 1907 o'clock for you civilian types. Um, we um, will have, uh, it'll start at 7 o'clock. If you're out of the area, you can't make it to be with us, then you can send me a Zoom uh, a, a Zoom request. I'll send you send it back. I'll invite you in, and you can pray with us. And um, and what we do is we uh, will we take turns. And you can if you join us, you don't have to pray verbally, but if you want to, and the pauses, anybody that pauses, and there's a space in there, you can jump right in and pray with us or pray silently. But anyway, if you have a prayer request, you can also email me at rslawback at gmail.com. So until this evening, stay motivated, Lord, keep your armor on, and keep fighting the good fight of faith.